0: Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today?
1: I couldn't be better today, Tim. One reason is because I love introducing new friends of ours to our listeners. I don't know how much of an introduction this person needs because she currently has millions of people following her on TikTok and on YouTube. I mean, it's almost in the billions at this point. (laughs) I am thrilled to be here to introduce her. Hope everybody out there listening is doing well. And how are you?
0: Sir, I am doing great. Thanks a lot for asking. And yeah, I'm excited to introduce our new friend, Rebecca, to our audience. Rebecca does a fantastic show called Criminology and Coffee and you mentioned her tiktok page she does a great job you can find that at criminology and coffee and that's ethical true crime from a caffeinated criminologist
1: and that's part of what we talk about today is how people cover true crime and how she's doing it with this ethical focus it's been the topic a long time now like we've really brought this into focus and to have someone like her with over a million followers on tiktok clearly communicating this is fantastic and our conversation is about that we talk about tyree nichols the gentleman who was murdered by the five police officers in Memphis, but it's all about the coverage, and her personality is incredible, so she really keeps that conversation going. I don't think anyone's going to not enjoy this.
0: All right, and if you want to hear this episode ad-free, you can subscribe to Crawl Space Premium now right there in your Apple Podcasts app, or if you're not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and you can sign up for Crawl Space Premium. You get every single episode ad-free. You also get early releases and our weekly bonus show.
1: And Tim, I know that we were saying she's got over a million followers out there on social media. You know who doesn't? Us. We do not have over a million followers. But how can one change that for us?
0: Well, listeners can go follow us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, wherever else at Crawl Space Podcast or Crawlspace Pod. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it.
1: We're going to have a quick break for a sponsor, and we'll be right back with Rebecca from Criminology & Coffee.
2: Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com.
0: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit mfm.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Welcome to the podcast, Rebecca of Criminology and Coffee. How are you today?
2: I am doing great. How are you guys doing?
1: Fantastic. This, for full disclosure for our listeners and for your viewers, this is the first time we've ever met.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: so it's great to meet you and give a little background as to like how did you get to where you are today
2: i was actually in the navy for like eight years and so as many people do when i got out i was kind of like hmm, <laughs> what now so i ended up going to college for criminology and while in the midst of all that i got really into true crime media so i started listening to all of the podcasts and watching all of the tiktoks and youtubes and you know as one does and i I noticed in the beginning, I had a really, really big fascination with specifically like military crimes, and I noticed there was one particular case where I couldn't find like a podcast about it that seemed to like really delve into the physical research, and so I decided to do it myself. And I ended up making a YouTube channel where I talked about mostly military affiliated crimes. And then I started delving into TikTok. And once I was on TikTok, I got introduced to like the community of victims, family members and survivors. And that really, I think changed my perspective on things and like shaped what my social media standing is now.
0: Well, that's very cool. That's a a unique background for sure. And so that led you to start a podcast and a very uh, successful TikTok page as well. You're up over a million TikTok followers, which is uh, really impressive.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah. How did you manage that?
2: You know, I don't don't really know. I think that As we are growing, as true crime is changing, hopefully evolving in like a good direction, I've seen a lot of good response just from making sure like my content is very ethical or that I involve victims' family members as much as possible or um, give profit back as much as possible. And I think that it's sort of refreshing to see and people really enjoy that type of like bringing humanity into something that at its core is like rough subject matter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And round of applause there for bringing the ethics into the true crime community, especially on TikTok, because it's very difficult to deliver a message in those short sound bites and not have them come across as being salacious and, you know, kind of clickbaity. And you've managed to do that. So there's an art form to it. So again, round of applause for doing that and um, communicating a message to people that is successful. And it's not always about the latest missing white girl or or something to that effect.
2: Yeah, I think that that, you know, it's really helpful and it helps people understand things in a different way as well. I was actually listening to some of y'all's back Catalog today. One of you said a really interesting phrase, the sort of like, if it bleeds, it leads. And I think that it's a problem in our true crime space. The sort of message gets lost in the story, in the details of the story. And I always try to like make it a point, I, I was speaking to Tiffany Reese recently. She does a, a fantastic podcast as well. But I told her, you know, it's crazy that like a lot of times when I speak to these victims, family members, they say people always ask, you know, oh, how was your child, for example, murdered? Or what happened to the person who killed them? But no one ever asks who was your child or What did they like to do or anything, really? It's just, it's kind of sad.
0: Yeah, we try to make that a point of of every conversation we have with a family member is um, who was your loved one? You know, because uh, so much can be learned from who the victim was. Sometimes you can learn about the killer or about the mystery or whoever made that person go missing or why they went missing in just asking a simple question like that.
2: I think so, too. And it, it's pretty sad that it's not just the you know, true crime social media, but just kind of media in general forgets that a lot. Um, I recently spoke with a victim's family member. The victim was an infant, who was murdered and the mom said that none of the media outlets that covered it even said the baby's name which is just oh
1: it's horrific yeah
2: yeah it's bad
1: you had mentioned the uh, if it bleeds it leads and i guess that was something that we had said in an old episode you said that you were listening to the back catalog and one of us had said that and that's such like an age-old thing that comes from like real old school newspaper it was like the competing newspapers and one had to be more shocking than the other and it was like that yellow journalism. But yes, it comes from that. So I'm so glad that people are, they have a presence of mind is someone in your position to say that doesn't apply to this because it's so easy to say if it bleeds, it leads. But no, we have control over it. And it takes people like yourself to implement that.
2: I do think, you know, kind of, like I mentioned, I do think that there has been a, I, like a new wave of ethical true crime. Um, I noticed, I don't know if you guys have been following the Tyree Nichols case, but I noticed the other day when they released the video, I saw a lot, surprisingly to me, a lot of people on social media saying, look, the way they're handling the release of this video is kind of weirdly ethically gray, and instead, let's share this video of him doing something he's passionate about, skateboarding, because we don't need to watch this. In if you know you're not in a space for it or uh, if you don't want to like you don't have to remember people like that and I I thought it was really cool because when big salacious things happen that's typically not the response I see on social media right
0: yeah and I think the whole if it bleeds it leads is definitely still in play with mainstream media and I do think it's people like us the independent creators who can kind of wag the dog on that kind of coverage a little bit so hopefully conversations like this and just being better asking about the victims and things like that uh is more of a trend. And I definitely think the medium of podcasting lends itself better to that because uh, not to make excuses for mainstream media, but a lot of their segments are very short and they just they don't get to that part, you know, when really they should.
2: I think so too. I think that it is really really cool to see like podcasts or, you know, other media creators. It's cool to see people involving like victims family members or survivors more. We we've really like gotten into a culture where it's becoming um, more frequent to see people telling their own stories or telling them, controlling their narrative, which I think is really neat. Not to
1: deviate from the topic too much, but it is a huge deviation. I just didn't want to forget about it. You said that you were in the Navy. Uh, How did you make that decision?
2: (laughs) To come in or come out? Both. <laughs> so, um, actually, I was going to college for forensic psychology. And when I was 19, I got a wild hair at my ass. And my parents were both in the military. And so I think it was during that weird 9 11 patriotism era. And so I thought, wow, <laughs> like, serving our country is going to be something awesome. And it was. I did, like, I got a lot of cool experiences. I was. A a corpsman in the Navy, so like a medic. And then after doing it for a while, you know, I I had a family and it wasn't exactly what it was cracked up to be in my personal experience. And I am much happier no longer doing that.
1: Gotcha. Well, the time that you spent studying, you said criminal, what was it that you did in college?
2: So before I joined i went to college for like a year i'm um, doing forensic psych and then when i got out um, i have a degree in criminology and psychology now
1: cool so you must use that as you create your tiktok videos as you create your content
2: yeah it's kind handy a couple different ways and in some sort of surprising ways. Like um, I do this little segment on TikTok uh, called Murder in 60 Seconds, where in 60 seconds I talk about like a legal thing or there's a lot of things that sort of get brought up if you're watching like SVU or if you're listening to a podcast that maybe people don't really actually know what it is. They've just heard it a million times on TV. So I did like the first one I did was distinguishing between types of homicide and like the difference between homicide and manslaughter and first and second degree and things like that. And it did super well. And people were like, wow, I I really didn't know. So it's been cool for things like that. And then the podcast that I um, do with my friend Justice. She's a doctor of forensic psychology. So we always try to approach things from like a very professional way and maybe try to look at it through a lens that isn't super well represented in like on TikTok.
0: Right. Well, very cool. Yeah. So your podcast, Dr. Crime, tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Sure. So Dr. Crime, we just done one season. So it's pretty new. It's in its infancy. But it is me, like I mentioned, my Co-host Justice, which is her real name. Um, she's like I mentioned a doctor of forensic psychology. And so we always try to add in educational stuff into our episodes. Um, we try to make sure that we cover, you know, lots of varying populations, especially for her, because she's a doctor, it's really important to talk about, like, for example, I feel like we beat this topic to death in our first season, but um, no pun intended. We talked a lot about um like stabbings. And so for her to come in on the backside and be like, oh, As a forensic psychologist, stabbing is often a crime committed out of emotion versus a planned thing, you know. So we just try to be, like, really educational and um, empathetic and ethical, and it's really fun.
1: And do you feel like people—you said you get a good response from people when you try to give some sort of education behind the content that you're creating. Do you ever get people who question your credentials?
2: Not really questioning like the stuff that's put out. Um, I will say there are times when, uh, and again, I feel like this is almost like a TikTok specific thing, I think because it is such a quick form media people are very quick it's so easy to not hear the whole message or to like leave a quick judgment and then just scroll but that's really the only place i've gotten any like kickback and most of it is people that may just be like misinformed there are quite a few cases where something will be said in the media and people and i'm sure you guys have encountered this as well and then people just go oh that's a fact and it's usually not yeah yeah
0: definitely, uh, definitely happens. I want to ask you, from your perspective, what are the differences in creating crime content on social media platforms?
2: So I've created content on uh, mostly YouTube, TikTok, and then like a podcast type content. And I would say that the biggest obvious difference is the time constraint on TikTok. YouTube has its own slew of like censorship things and, you know, things like that. I think that a podcast is the the best long-form way to get out everything you have to say, to take the time to explain everything you need to explain, and I think that you can really sort of put your own flair on things. So I know that there's a lot of um, true crime podcasts that you know do like a little bit of comedy in it, or people that do add in education, or people that add in really anything that they want. There's you know podcasts that are really guest-heavy. Um, And I think that that's really cool. I think that TikTok is really cool in its own right. It's probably easier for some people to digest small bits of things versus sitting down and listening to an hour-long episode on YouTube or a podcast. I think that they all have their pros, though.
0: Yeah, I agree. But as creators, they're all so different to crack You know, like they're almost like a puzzle. Each one um, is almost like a puzzle in how to reach people. You know, it's like how to reach people uh, in using the guidelines that they set up.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I think it's important to sort of pay attention to what's like trending almost so you can figure out, oh, where do I fit into this? Which is, of course, something I feel like all of us content creators are sort of always trying to figure out, right?
0: Yeah. How do you know when one of your posts has gone viral?
2: Usually I can kind of gauge it by, like views, but mostly it's by the comment section. So if it's kind of just like a normal video that just my normal audience sees, usually the feedback is really positive and it's um, really easy to digest and it's easy to go through. But if it's ever anything that's like controversial or um, it happens a lot, I have like some pretty strict guidelines on what I post. But because of that, I almost never talk about something that's currently happening right now. But I recently did Um, like I kind of mentioned that I have been following the Tyree Nichols case really closely and I felt like it was okay to break my normal rules because I think it was really important to talk about and the comments I had to really carefully monitor them because I think it brought in a sort of different audience than what I usually have. And I was getting like some racist stuff and some things that I'm just like, I'm not comfortable with being posted on my page. But usually if it's not like viral, there's not really anything to monitor.
0: Right. I found similar things uh, with TikTok. And I was going to say that when you see several political comments in the... in the comments say, because it doesn't make sense. We don't talk about politics. But if if like, oh, a a suspect is arrested, guaranteed, if if that post gets past whatever, 10,000 views or something like that, inevitably someone will write, he's a Biden supporter or uh, or this person voted for Trump or something. And then they'll be back and forth. Uh, Within that comment, it's unbelievable. You can predict it. It happens every single time.
2: It does. Like I said, I posted recently about Tyree Nichols and I thought I did a good enough job because I posted a photo of the officers um, that were involved and people were commenting that honestly, the biggest comment that I got was, well, how come you didn't specifically mention the race of the police officers? But I put a pic. I put a picture of them in it. Like, if you're watching a TikTok, you can obviously see. And then people were back and forth in the comments about uh, the race of police officers and police brutality. And my degree, actually, my senior seminar focused on um, like corrections and policing and things like that. And that's again one of those things that people sort of just run with it, and it is what it is.
1: And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program.
1: That is wild that you have to, I don't know, experience that, but it's wild that there's a population of people that feel the need that that's what they have to do. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, really, that's going to be your platform to start spreading your political beliefs. And either way, right, left, center, whatever. But that just doesn't feel to me like that's the platform to do that. It's wild. There
2: have been several videos of mine that have gone, like, viral that I've had to just disable the comments on. Because, like you said, people pick that moment and that topic to just go off the walls about something. And it's been for really insane stuff that i would have never predicted like i've had at least one video i've had to disable the comments because people were making fun of the way that a child victim looked jeez like what (laughs) why this child got murdered first of all it's never obviously it's never okay to make fun of a child but a child that got murdered who it like a family request meaning you know their families in the comments you know their families knows that this has been posted, making fun of the child's appearance. It's wild.
0: Yeah, the comment section really turns into a bit of a Rorschach test, uh, I think, because like I'm sure in that video you're talking about, you didn't put anything about the, the child's looks one way or another. But people, for some reason, saw that in the video that you made and decided to write that. And then all of a sudden you have their character on display without without even even coming close to what they're talking about.
2: Some comment sections have been extremely eye-opening, and it's a really difficult, um, I'm sure like you guys have had cases too, that you sort of attached isn't the right word, but that you have like a more personal connection with. And so like for me personally, one of those cases is the Gabriel Fernandez case. And that was one of the videos that I I had to turn the comments off because people were being very degrading about a murdered child. I just don't understand.
1: (laughs) Can you uh, tell us more about that? Because that was one of my questions was if you had a particular story that stood out to you. Can you tell us more about that one?
2: Oh, yeah, sure. I have a few, most most of the ones that I feel like I have a closer connection to are ones where I've had the opportunity to uh, work with families. And so some of those really stick with me um, a lot, but one that I don't have that type of connection with, but for some reason just like ate at my soul, uh, was the Gabriel Fernandez case. So, of course, he was an eight-year-old boy who was tortured and murdered in California. Um, it was a huge thing where the social workers that were supposed to be involved... It- he sort of just fell through the cracks, but it's been a very difficult case in the past for me to talk about. I'm not sure if it's because I have children or I'm not sure why, but that case has a very like deep emotional effect on me as a human being.
1: It is tough to cover any story that involves anybody who's been tortured and then you think about... The person being completely vulnerable, uh, a child being completely vulnerable and just trying to wrap your head around what horror that was going on inside that young boy's mind at the time. Uh, How do you separate yourself from those types of feelings or do you uh, go to counseling therapist.
2: I recommend therapy for everyone who's in, in this line of work. I think everyone should be talking about therapists. But I honestly, for the most part, I think it is almost obviously there's a point where everything becomes unhealthy. Like there's a point where you do too much of anything. But I think that as a content creator, it's almost good to let yourself feel emotions and let yourself be affected Um, especially like when you're dealing with family members because it is such a hard subject matter. There's a, a family that I worked with who their um, two-year-old daughter was murdered. And the time that I was covering it, my one of my daughters was also two. And that it just, it was really hard. And I posted a YouTube video because the family asked me to, and I'm like crying <laughs> the whole video. It was so hard to talk about. And it did actually really well. And a lot of people were like, wow, it's kind of refreshing that you're not just sitting there being like, and then she got killed. I kind of just go with it.
0: Good. Yeah, yeah. But you'll probably also get comments being like, oh, you need to be more professional than." that
2: oh 100 percent. um i emotions out of it i will never forget like (laughs) when i very first started tiktok probably the first time i posted a video where i did get emotional in the video someone commented and said if you're this emotional talking about murder this is not the right job for you and i already had my degree (laughs) i was like well (laughs) (laughs) well i mean
0: both can be true too like you can both do a great job and be like well i'm not tom brokaw you know i'm not going (laughs) to deliver information that way so you know watch it or don't i don't you know yeah exactly following the line of questioning what you do and what are your interests outside of crime your show is called criminology and coffee what kind of coffee do you like and have you tried the charged lemonade from panera bread
2: (laughs) i have not tried a charged lemonade from panera bread i don't know what that is (laughs)
0: Uh, i've died to talk about this
1: i'm super impressed that he worked this into the conversation (laughs) he's been talking about the charged lemonade for months now
2: what's a charged Uh, lemonade i i have some free time right after this so
1: it is
0: caffeinated lemonade from uh from panera they have three flavors and uh i i swear i swear by it
2: is this an ad am i part of an ad right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) not a paid ad
2: (laughs) (laughs) excellent okay
0: yeah. No, it's good. Highly recommend. Personal recommendation from uh, from Tim over here. Yeah, for sure.
2: Excellent. Um, My favorite type of coffee, I'm originally from Texas, um, but I live in North Carolina now. And we have this cool little place called Port City Java. I think it's just a North Carolina thing, but they have this really good coffee called the Black and Tan, and it's delicious. Mm.
1: What's the what is the black and tan? Because that makes me think of like a Guinness and, uh, and a lager.
2: I'll be honest. I don't know. We went and got one the, like a couple weeks ago and then we tried to look it up to figure it out. I'm not sure. It's It's got mocha in it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. If anyone knows, let me know.
1: do you have dunkin donuts there
2: we do have the dunkies yes
1: okay
0: i want to see if we can pivot back to uh tyree nichols a little bit is there anything on that case that you would like to say um i agree with with not really feeling the need to share the videos anymore because of how disturbing they are to watch and i i do feel like you kind of need to see it though once just to understand what happened or at least i actually i take that back i don't know if I understand what happened by watching it. I understand the circumstances of it. I don't understand how uh, any of that happened, but... Yeah. What is your take on the situation? How in the world did that happen?
2: I'm not sure how it got to that point. I did watch all four videos, and I think it's sort of crazy that even just from the beginning, like from the first video... Things seem to be way escalated, like obviously not a conspiracy or anything, but almost like they came into the situation already way more escalated than it need to be. Did you, did you guys watch the videos as well? Yeah so in the first video when he's sort of like joking with them you can tell like he he didn't feel threatened by the situation at first like he he says like oh man you guys are being really extra like okay i'll get down to kind of pivot from that all the way to what ends up happening um i've seen a couple like different things about how you know in one of them it appears that the officer takes off his body cam and then in another one you can see them holding his hand and they're yelling at him, give us your hands, give us your hands, almost like they didn't realize that SkyCam was there. And they were trying to manipulate the um, audio of it to sort of go more in their favor afterwards. It was really shocking to see. And I think that it has opened up really important discussions about race um, and about the way that our minority populations are treated by police, regardless of the race of the police, which is sort of a new factor that we haven't really seen in big cases before. Yeah, I have have a lot of thoughts.
1: (laughs) And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't seen it because I feel like I need to get in the right headspace to see that. And I think that was released on, was it Thursday night or Friday night that they released Yeah, that? Friday, I believe. Yeah, so just uh, recently. And when they announced that they were going to release it, I remember thinking, well, like, I'm not going to watch it right away. So, And I'm still not in, this, in the right headspace. And in your opinion, and Tim, you saw it, right? Yeah. So is it even worth watching? Is there something that can be taken out of it to put someone through that distress like voluntarily?
2: I think if you go into it knowing, you're going to see something extremely distressing um especially for you know people in our line of work i think it's important to watch it yeah but it's very distressing um i made the conscious decision not to share any of it like on my social media um It's disheartening. Um, I'm in like a a group chat type situation and we were all kind of talking about it. And I have a friend who's a professor of criminology and she said, you know, it almost doesn't matter what someone did. Listening to someone beg for their mother is so dehumanizing, especially like an adult male. Listening to someone cry for their mom when... We know what happened, and it doesn't appear that they even did anything wrong. It's just—it's really excruciating to watch.
0: Yeah, uh, I did not make it to that part. I have to admit, I did start watching it and then had to stop it and and uh, read the article. Yeah, but I do recommend at least trying—you know—at least at least trying to see the scenario and then and then read about it if you got to. But uh, it is extremely disturbing, and I agree. The part where he calls out for his mom is just—that's uh, just the part that put me over the top. Yeah. I can't even imagine how, how in the world that happened. And uh, and also, you know that there's going to be a really disturbing video when uh, they put out a press release that, hey, we're going to release a video uh, before they actually just release the video. You know, they prepared for protests. You knew this was going to be bad. It was just a matter of how bad. And I have to say, I don't even know, like, this is about as bad as it can get, I feel like.
2: Yeah. And there was other cities as well. Like Atlanta went into a state of emergency as well. Uh, I think Memphis basically just closed the night that they released it. Um, So we, yeah, we knew going into it, it was going to be rough. And I've seen it sort of likened to the Rodney King video a lot, which I think it, it was, it was similar. It's a little bit different because it's 2023, so the footage was way better quality um and you can see people's faces and you can hear it a lot better you know rodney king is sort of you're not in the midst of what was going on of course it was still a horrific video but yeah it definitely is something i think if you're if you're gonna watch it you you should prepare yourself for and then kind of just be ready to be like in a weird headspace for a little bit
1: it is really remarkable that five grown adults who have taken the oath to protect and serve get caught up in a mob mentality like that get caught up in that frenzy and you, you talked about the uh, Rodney King video. It's the same deal. It's really remarkable to me that not one of them was able to, in, in all scenarios, in all of these scenarios, when there's more than one, like no one's able to take a step back and, and say, let's, you know, we need to back down. We need to back down. It's insane.
2: The thing that like really shocked me, obviously the the thing with the police officers is horrific, but, um, you know, I kind of mentioned like I was a medic before. And so there were two firefighters that were relieved of duty as well because they were the first on the scene to respond before EMS got there. And uh, they didn't render any patient care. And you can see... In the video, um, you can see Tyree leaned up against a squad car. He can't even sit up. They're forcing him back up to a sitting position. Of course, now we know like his injuries were incredibly extensive, but – they didn't do anything either and that's that's your whole job
0: does your um, military training uh give you extra insight do you think
2: i think on on some things um with that in particular mostly just because being a um, medic you do get all of like combat life-saving skills and you take all of the different classes um, the navy also happens to be the a medical force for the Marine Corps as well, we have to go through a school where you learn that side of medicine too. And so not necessarily like, I could probably talk about the patient care aspect of it, but it's more so like you you have a duty to people. And I can't imagine being in a situation where, you know, you get called to a scene and then you just let someone sit there.
1: <sighs> it's, it's dangerous territory to... I guess, explore because the more it happens and it just keeps happening and it just feels like it gets worse every time. Not saying that the previous one was any better or worse. It just, the, the extent of it, feels like it gets worse every time but we're also getting desensitized to it so that's why i said it's kind of dangerous territory to to tread because you can't have this not ever be shocking this always has to be shocking and you were talking about how memphis you think just shut down and everyone was prepared for a riot it's astounding to me that there wasn't one i would absolutely understand if there were riots that were burning cities that would it would make all the sense in the world to me and to have it being approached with this level of calm is is, again, like that's that's a tremendous uh, showing of understanding in a situation that's completely irrational and insane.
2: I really think that that has a lot to do with the fact that um, Tyree's mother specifically, like, said, "Please only do peaceful protests." Like he would have wanted this to be extremely peaceful. So please, like, let's do this the right way. And people listened. I was also pretty surprised. I thought Memphis was going to get burned to the ground. Yeah, I just kind of hope, like you said, we don't get desensitized to it. And it's not a thing where the next time it happens, we're like, oh, well, we've seen the video already. We know.
0: Well, Rebecca, tell us about your case request form. What cases are you looking for? And what have, what's like one of the better cases uh, requests that you've gotten?
2: So I actually recently had like an overhaul of the way that I take cases. It used to be a thing, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I have some rules <laughs> on like what content I post, but it used to be a thing that I only did cases older than 10 years unless a family member specifically requested it or I was in contact with them somehow. But recently I had a situation where a victim's family member made a TikTok account and made a video that went viral and in it, she mentioned that there was an inconsistency in one of my older videos. And um, it wasn't anything crazy. I wasn't being salacious, nothing like that. But it drove a lot of people to my page, into that video. And people were like, it's so crazy how you claim to be ethical. And here you are getting shit wrong. And so I took a couple days, (laughs) processed, and then now what I do is I actually don't cover anything unless I have the family's permission. Like I said, the only thing I've made an exception for recently was the Tyree Nichols case because I think that that's sort of crucial to the future of our country. But so now I have my case request form, and I only do case requests from family members and. Um, it's worked out really well. I've gotten to connect with a lot of really cool people. Um, one case that I've worked on kind of recently that I think is really important is Liz Barraza. I'm not sure if you guys are super familiar, but she was recently murdered in Texas, I believe in 2019. Um, but I got to talk to her da- uh, her dad, Bob, and he is super cool. Her case is really cool. And getting to talk to the family, it's always interesting to see who people are as people. And, um, you know, Liz was like in the 501st Legion. She did like Cosplay stuff, and she was a really good Harry Potter nerd, and all kinds of stuff. I think it's really, um, it's really awesome just getting to learn humans.
1: That's amazing. Getting to learn humans. That's. (laughs) you know it's not the idea of trying to figure out somebody right it's it's the concept of getting to know something that you don't know or or getting to know someone that you don't know or or maybe seeing some sort of connection between yourself and one of these stories that you're talking about is there anybody else that you that you've covered that you really relate to that maybe has been on the same path as you or similar
2: um so there is a case and it was a young veteran she was living in hawaii her name is selena roth but she was living in hawaii and she was murdered very horrifically by her husband and um I got to work with her family as well, and a lot of just, like, the things that she was interested in are things that I'm interested in. We were both, like, young veterans. Um, she had a young daughter. I have daughters. And just getting to connect with her family has also been really cool to do, and getting to sort of stay updated through that trial and things like that. But um, there's been qu- kind of quite a few. I feel like it's both a <laughs> weakness and a strength, but I definitely can, like, find pieces to relate to in almost every story.
1: Cool. And I just have one more question, which is your feelings on Matthew Lillard.
2: Uh, <laughs> I was not prepared for that question. I'm obsessed with Matthew Lillard. <laughs> I, you know, I have a surprise Sydney tattoo. Wow.
0: That's incredible. That is real dedication. I love it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. he He was great in, in scream and some other movies too. Uh, are you a big Scream head? You're you're excited about Scream Six?
2: I'm a big fan of Scream, but my favorite Matthew Lillard movie is SLC Punk.
0: Oh, that's a good one oh, wow. too. Actually, I like that. Yeah, that's pretty obscure, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. <laughs>
2: nice.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us here today. We really appreciate it. This was a great chat.
2: Of course, thank you guys for having me to chit chat about things.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful meeting you, and uh, thank you. You're going to be joining us on Wednesday night, February 1st. Uh, We will circle back with you on a specific time. You're going to check in with us during our fundraiser for Private Investigations for the Missing. We can't thank you enough for helping us out with that, so thank you very, very much.
2: Of course. Thank you guys for having me, and I am super looking forward to Wednesday.